0: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Valley Creek Church. I am so glad that you are here with us. We want to welcome all of our campuses, wherever you may be today, whether you're in Denton, Flower Mound, Lewisville, the venue, watching online. Let's all just welcome each other for a moment. It is good to be one church meeting in multiple locations. And we have had a great week this week together as a church with Prepare This whole week, every single morning at all of our campuses, we've gathered together for a time of worship and prayer to seek God, to get ready for all the good things God wants to do this fall semester in our lives. And what I love is is that we're a church that wants to meet with the presence of God, that wants to seek Him. And I believe we set some things in motion in the spiritual atmosphere by taking the time to prepare our hearts, to prepare the atmosphere for what God wants to do. And one of the big things that I believe God's going to do this fall semester is starting next week we're going to start a new sermon series called Follow the Cloud. And it's probably going to be the most significant sermon series we have ever done together. And so here's what I want to encourage you. If you've been waiting to invite someone to church, this is the series to invite them to. If you've got a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, that person that you've connected with but you've not necessarily said, "Come on, this is this is the one." Bring them to this series. It'll be for 4 weeks. And I personally believe that if you'll come for all four weeks, if you'll make that a priority to be here, if you'll lean in, and engage with us, that I believe by the end of the series, you'll hear God's voice. I believe you'll learn how to take next steps. And I believe you're going to discover more about who you really are, who God really is, and what you were really created to do. I believe you're going to have a journey of freedom, and so I want to encourage you, if you haven't got a chance, get the new Follow the Cloud book that just got released. We worked really hard on putting that together, so we want to give you a tool that's in your hands of all the things that we talk about around here, all the things we believe that now can be in your hands so you can live a lifestyle of freedom, and if you'll engage with that tool, that resource throughout the series and in the days to come, I think God has some amazing things for you, for me, as we go on this journey of freedom, okay? All right, if you got a Bible, Exodus chapter 16. We're kind of excited about that. That's all right, I'll get you excited about it next week. Exodus 16, second book of the Bible. We are in our series called Grateful. We're wrapping it up today. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about the key to living a full life. And we've said that you can have everything the world offers and still have an empty life, or you can have nothing at all and have an overflowing life. That an overflowing life comes from a grateful heart. And if you'll learn to be grateful for where you've been and where you are, you position yourself to get where God wants you to go. And so really this last series was an amazing setup by God of where we're going into this Follow the Cloud series. Because God has some great things in store for us, but we have to first learn to be grateful for who he is and what he has done. And so pick it up with me. Exodus 16, starting in verse 2. It says, in the desert, the whole community of the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. and this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they should bring in. That is twice as much as they gather on the other day. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it is the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Okay, context. Context. After 400 years of Egyptian slavery, God shows up, sets the Israelites free through the 10 plagues, the 10 most profound miracles that have ever happened on the face of the earth. He defeats the entire Egyptian nation. The Israelites get to plunder all of Egypt, so they're leaving uh, Egypt. They're leaving slavery as rich people. They take all the gold of Egypt. God parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry ground. They are one chapter, one chapter on their journey towards the promised land, and they start grumbling about food are you kidding me? Like, are you for real one chapter in after all of that? And you're going to grumble about food and every parent in this room knows exactly what that is like. <laughs> and it is really easy when we read that story to judge them or like, are you people for real? The only problem is, is when we judge them, we're judging ourselves because that's our story. You see, the Bible is full of stories that reveal like, the reality of who we are as humans. The Bible is a mirror that kind of shows back what's happening in our hearts. And the truth is, is this is our story because if we're honest, we're better at grumbling than we are at giving gratitude. It's easier to grumble than it is to give gratitude because that takes intentionality. And if we're honest, we often spend more time grumbling about what we don't have than giving thanks for what we do have, even though what we do have is more than what we don't have. Anybody with me today? I'm just saying we live in a grumbling world. We certainly live in a grumbling region. We are offering grumbling people. We grumble about the government. We grumble about our boss. We grumble about our family. We grumble about people. We grumble about the traffic. We grumble about the weather. We grumble about the tortilla chips at our favorite restaurant. We grumble about bad service. We grumble about Facebook. We grumble about church. We grumble about God. But how many of you know grumbling doesn't look good on anybody? It ain't even cute on a five year old. I'm just saying it is not the most attractive quality. And I would define grumbling for you as this. Grumbling is an ungrateful heart with a complaining mouth. That's what grumbling is. It's an ungrateful heart with a complaining mouth. Grumbling is focused on negativity, criticism, and doubt. And it freely shares its perspective with everyone around them. And while grumbling has become incredibly normal and it's an acceptable reality in the world today, grumbling carries with it significant consequences that most of us are just completely unaware of. So I got a lot for you today, so are you ready? Can you kind of buckle up? It's a lot of teaching today, so I gotta take you through a lot of stuff. Last week we took time to respond to God, so you're gonna get like a message and a half. We're gonna get as far as we can get, okay? So here's what I need you to understand. These are the things. First, I just want to share with you. These are the consequences or the realities of grumbling. First thing is this, is God takes grumbling personally. Look at verse 2. In the desert, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And then jump to verse 8. He says, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. The Israelites come out and they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron, their leaders, and they think they're just grumbling at these men, but no, 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 what we realize real quickly is God says, no, I just took that personally, which means for you and me that when we grumble against the president, when we grumble against our boss, when we grumble against that person, that place, or that thing, we are not grumbling against it, we are grumbling actually against God, that God takes it personally. That it's a direct assault on God because what we're doing is we're questioning his protection, his provision, and his goodness in our lives. In fact, grumbling comes from the heart that's declaring, God is not good to me. That's what grumbling is. Now listen to the Israelites. This is like chapters later, Numbers 11. Same group of people. The rabble with them, the other people with them, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing or grumbling and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. And everyone in this room knows someone just like that guy. And then God says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you'll eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord your God will give you meat and you will eat it. And you will not eat it for one day or two days or five or ten or twenty, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you hate it. (laughs) And every parent in the room said, take that. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and grumbled before him saying, why did we leave Egypt? Grumbling is a rejection of God in our lives. He takes it personally. Grumbling is when we're focused on what's wrong. Grumbling is questioning God's goodness. Grumbling is an orphan thinking mentality that challenges the very love of the father. So yes, he takes that personally. I mean, imagine my son for a second. (laughs) Imagine if he just grumbled about everything in his life. Oh, why do we always have to have this food in our house? There's never anything in the fridge or in the cupboard. Oh, why do we have to live in this house? I don't like this house. This house is old. Can't we have a new house like my friend down the road has? Oh, why is our yard so small? You can't even throw a ball in our yard. Like, this is terrible. And, and why do we always have to go here and do that? And why do I have to wear these clothes? I don't like these clothes. I don't want these clothes. Okay, he's not grumbling at that. Who's he grumbling against? Me. And that certainly wouldn't be really good for our relationship, would it? I mean, Ephesians 4, 29, and 30, the verses we've been memorizing as a church this year, says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Parentheses, grumbling. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. What's the next verse? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we grumble because he takes it personally. If Acts 17 is true, that says from one nation, God made every man and determined the times and places that you would live, and in him we live and move and have our being, then when we grumble, what we're saying is, God, you're holding out on me. God, you made a mistake. God, I don't like your leadership. In other words, I would say it to you like this. When you grumble about your circumstances, you are questioning God's character. I know we don't like this message so far, but that was, that was really good and profound. <laughs> When you grumble about your circumstances, you're questioning God's character. You're saying where he's leading you is not good. You're saying he's absent, that he doesn't care. He's he's holding out. Now, I'm not saying you can't disagree with people or be disappointed. I'm not saying you can't cry out to God. I'm just saying we gotta be real careful not to grumble because God takes it personally. And oh, by the way, isn't it amazing? Even when we grumble, he's still good to us. They grumble and he gives them manna, not because they were good, but because he was good. We grumble against God and he still chooses to be good to us. So he takes it personally. Second thing, here's where it gets more weighty. Grumbling is a demonic spirit. Grumbling is not a bad attitude. It's actually a demonic spirit. Like think about it like this. Satan was the original grumbler. Satan was an angel in the throne room of heaven and Satan found fault with a perfect God in the perfection of heaven. All of heaven wasn't even enough for the grumbling spirit which means the grumbling spirit will never be satisfied. It's a demonic spirit. And you can see the demonic spirit at work in the lives of the Israels because just track them. Here in Exodus 16, they're, they're grumbling because they don't have food. So then God gives them manna. Very next chapter, they grumble. They don't have water. God gives them water from a rock. You keep going on. They grumble about their hardships. God gives them clothes that don't wear out and their feet never swell. And he protects them from disease and sicknesses. They keep grumbling at that. Then God, they grumble because they're sick of eating manna and they want to eat some quail. And so then God gives them some quail. They grumble about that. Then they grumble that Moses' wife wasn't an Israelite, that she was from another tribe and another place. They grumble about that. Then they get to the promise and then they grumble about the promise. It's like every time they, they grumble God provides and they keep grumbling why because it's a demonic spirit and it will not be satisfied that's why when you grumble about a situation and the situation is resolved you grumble now about something else I grumble about my car and then God provides I get a new car so now I grumble about my house I, I grumble about my kid's teacher I complain enough and get a move to another class now I grumble about the coach I grumble about my neighbor because I just don't like the neighbor and then the neighbor moves away so I grumble about the other neighbor Some of us are like professional grumblers. It's a demonic spirit and it will never be satisfied. That's why it doesn't matter if the situation or circumstances change. You'll find something else to grumble about. It's agreement and alignment with the kingdom of darkness. See if you can catch this for a second with me. The heart of a king determines the culture of that kingdom. Like in any leadership environment, the heart of the leader sets the tone of what the culture of that environment is going to be. So if that's true, that the king's heart determines the culture of the kingdom, then the kingdom of darkness's culture is grumbling, and the kingdom of God's culture is gratitude. And you say, why? Because Jesus gave thanks on his way to the cross, and Satan grumbled sitting in the throne room of heaven. Grumbling is the natural response of the flesh. Gratitude is the supernatural response of the spirit. And I would say it to you like this, grumbling is the language of slaves. Gratitude is the language of sons. And so so the question I would ask you is, is what language do you speak? Grumbling should actually be a foreign language for the children of God. Because we don't live in the culture of the world anymore. We live in the kingdom of God. So we shouldn't even know how to, like, I don't know how to speak French. Do you? Some of you are like, yes, I do. Okay, great. Three of us <laughs> know how to speak French. But for the rest of us, we don't know how to, how about, like, I, never mind. Just. But you get the point. You shouldn't know how to speak that language because you don't live there. We shouldn't know how to speak the language of the kingdom of darkness because we no longer live within it. The problem with the Israelites, where they got rescued from the bad kingdom, brought into the new kingdom, but they never learned to speak the language of the new nation or kingdom with which they lived within. it. And so whatever kingdom you agree with, you align with, you empower that kingdom and it'll start to change the way that you think and the way that you see the world. Like in Mark chapter 6, if you remember it, Jesus goes to his own hometown and it says they grumble about him. He's there to do miracles and they say, this is Joseph's boy, Mary's son. We know who this guy I think he is. And it says he could not do any miracles there because he grumbled. I wonder what God can't do in our lives because we're so busy grumbling and in agreement with the kingdom of darkness. And then you look at Acts 16 when Paul and Silas are beaten and persecuted, thrown into prison for helping some poor sick girl. And and in the process, they sit there and they give thanks. They worship. They praise God in the middle of the night. And God brings an earthquake, breaks all the prison doors free, and, and, and literally sets them free. I wonder what God would do in our lives if we would start speaking the language of his kingdom. Okay? So grumbling is not a bad attitude. It's a demonic spirit that you've come into agreement with. And the third thing that you have to get about the consequences, grumbling steals your destiny. God brings the Israelites all the way to the edge of the Jordan River. They're about to take the promised land. Numbers 14. All the Israelites say it with me. Grumbled. That was weak, but that's okay. Maybe the verse didn't go up in time. Against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is God bringing us out of this land to let us fall by the swords? Our wives and our children will be taking as plunder. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Everyone knows this guy. You know it. And if you're not laughing, you might be him. (laughs) Their grumbling cost them 40 years of wandering in the desert. They couldn't take their destiny because they were so busy grumbling. Listen to me. If you're grumbling, it means you don't have the faith to follow God into the future. Faith and grumbling cannot coexist. Grumbling is focused on what is. Faith is focused on what will be. Grumbling is anchored in doubt and it thinks things are bad and getting worse. Faith is anchored in gratitude. It thinks things are good and are getting better. And the problem is, is when we grumble, it short circuits our own faith. We're sabotaging ourselves. We're immobilizing our own movement with God. The grumbling heart will never enter the land of rest. I mean, listen to this. John 6, this is Jesus. He just fed 5,000 people. He does this teaching to kind of talk about that he's the bread of life. And it says, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Like, Jesus, we didn't like that sermon. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were, say it with me, grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. What? Jesus did something they didn't understand, so they grumbled. And what does it say? They lost their destiny. They turned back from following him and went back to the things of this world. And they didn't get to step into the fullness of the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Jesus will offend your mind to reveal your heart. He will do things in your life that offend you, that you don't understand, you don't like, doesn't make sense to you, to reveal what's in your heart so he can set you free. And in those moments... When you don't understand it and you don't like it, you are tempted to grumble, but he invites you to give thanks. And Satan knows if he can get you to grumble, he can keep you in the past. God knows if you'll give gratitude, he can move you into the future. Even if you don't get it. Grumbling keeps you in the past. Gratitude moves you into the future. And I cannot tell you over the years of doing this, how many people I've seen get right to the edge of their destiny and lose it because they're grumbling about some small and silly thing that's completely irrelevant of what God wants to do in their lives. So busy grumbling about their boss or that work circumstance or this thing or that thing or someone said this on Facebook. You're like, bro, just give some thanks to God and keep going. So did I convince you that grumbling is a big deal? I don't want to be a grumbler. I hope you don't either. So here's the question, Then I have to set that all up to then say, how do we now break that spirit in our lives? How do you break that spirit off your lives? Got to go through these fast. You still with me? Okay, first thing is this, declare war on grumbling. If you want to to be free from the spirit of grumbling, just make a decision. Today, I declare war on the spirit of grumbling. 2 Corinthians 10 says, for though we live in the world, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds, anything that has a strong hold on our lives. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, spiritual problems need spiritual solutions. And the spirit of grumbling is a spirit that wants to set itself up against the knowledge of God and make God come into submission to it. And what we have to choose to do is say, no, we're going to come into agreement with the kingdom of God and we're going to declare war on this demonic spirit and we have authority over it to break it off our lives. You see, if we're honest, we grumble a whole lot more than we actually care to admit. Like when my summer break started, like I got a couple days into it and I like like hit me one day. I was like, I was like, I don't know when this started, but I'm like grumbling a lot. And, and I know that grumbling isn't a word we use like in regular everyday like, like vocabulary. But I, just, I was like complaining and like pointing out everything that was wrong and, and, and just like little stuff and silly stuff. And, and the problem is it's like a snowball. You start grumbling about something then it becomes easy and you start grumbling about everything else. And then my kids started grumbling and I kind of started to realize they're grumbly. And then one day I came home and I was really happy and my kids said, oh, dad's happy today. <laughs> what does that mean? They weren't sure how to answer that question, but they said, well, dad, you've been kind of grumpy lately, and 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 it, like, really hit me. I was like, really? Listen to me. A grumpy face comes from a grumbling spirit, so you can't walk around and say, oh, just this is the face that I normally have. No. (laughs) A grumpy face comes from a grumbling spirit, and so it, like, really hit me, and Colleen and I had this conversation. I was like, I'm going to declare war in our family on grumbling, so here's my question for you. Just this week, did you spend more time grumbling or giving thanks? Forget the last couple of months, just this week. What came out of your mouth? What God has been doing or what's not been happening? Were you celebrating or complaining? Now the real question is, what would the people in your life say to that question? 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Be joyful always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. God's will is that you would be grateful. And if it's impossible to grumble and be grateful at the same time, then every time we grumble, we're actually outside the will of God. We all come to church and we want to seek God. God, what's your will for my life? Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should we move here? Should we make that investment? Should we do this thing? We want to know God's will for our life, but we forget that he's already told us a lot of what it is. He's already told us it's not to grumble. It's to be grateful, which means an ungrateful heart is an enemy of the will of God. And so you have to make a decision to say, I declare war on anything in my life that is an enemy, that is at war with God's will for my life. And until you decide to break that spirit off your life, you give it permission to stay. So you got to declare war. Second thing is this. Surround yourself with faith-filled people. Grumbling is infectious. Gratitude is contagious. And you know it's true. You can wake up, have the greatest morning of your life, go to work, go to school, and you run into someone. And they start talking and they start grumbling. Like, oh, the coffee was cold today and the donuts were stale. and Why does the boss always do this? He never, like, does anything on time. And, and this thing over here, and can you believe that our coach didn't tell us about practice and blah, 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 And all of a sudden, what do you start doing? You're like, yeah, yeah, that, those donuts were bad, you know, like, and you start grumbling. Or you're on Facebook and cruising through the feed and you're in a good mood and all of a sudden your friend or the person from high school grumbles about some crazy thing and you used to actually like that thing. Now you read the post and all of a sudden you hate that restaurant too and you you're like don't even know why you hate it. <laughs> but because they hate it and they clearly told us that, now we all hate it too. You know what I'm saying? It's infectious. It gets in your heart and it starts to tear you down and, and, and that's not who we want to be. But now reverse it. And think about gratitude. Think about how when you get into an environment of gratitude, how all of a sudden you start to find things that you can be thankful for. Like last week when we all walked in, let's be honest, we didn't show up real grateful people. I guess I did. I'm up here leading you. I knew it. We might have walked in a little grumpy. But what did we do? We gave space to give thanks to God. We started giving thanks to God. And by the end of the service, we were all giving thanks to God. The whole atmosphere lifted because gratitude changes the environment and grateful people lift an atmosphere. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen twenty literally says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Whoever you hang out with, you'll become like. We use that verse a lot around here because it's just so true. And we want you to get it. So my question for you is, is, are you hanging with the right people? Are you hanging with people that grumble or are you hanging with people that are grateful? Like, like, are you ever in an environment with people that just give thanks? How do you learn a foreign language? You go and immerse yourself in that culture. If you want to learn how to give thanks, get around people that give thanks and break off all the people in your life that grumble. And oh, by the way, grumbling attracts grumbling. So if you say, well, I don't like to grumble, people just come and grumble to me all the time. There's something inside you that's open and receptive to that. The spirit attracts to the spirit. And all of a sudden, it finds an open door. Have you ever tried to grumble to a really grateful person? A conversation lasts like 10 seconds at best. And then you're kinda like, yeah, I'm embarrassed, I'm out. You know, like it didn't work. Okay, so what relationships need to go? Which ones do you need to build? Third thing is this, if you want to break the grumbling spirit, live your life. One of the main reasons we grumble is because we just don't live our own lives. We're just not present where we are. We're so busy looking what everyone else is doing that we sit there and we say, why did they get this? And why can't I have that? And they didn't deserve that. And I deserve this. And why did they get that opportunity? And I should get that opportunity. And, and how did they, this happen in their life? And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and we'll sit there and we'll cruise through social media. Some of us are so busy looking at everyone else's life on social media, we forgot to live our own life. And so we start grumbling about everything and about nothing. And we forget verses like Psalm 16 that says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Listen to me. God doesn't give small portions or empty cups. You have assigned me my portion and my cup. He doesn't give small portions and he doesn't give empty cups. He gives double portions and overflowing cups. And so he's already given that to you. And he's told you that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for you. You say, what does that mean? It means your relationships and your finances and your opportunities and your experiences and right where he's placed you, everything in your life has fallen in a good and spacious and pleasant place for you. Your life is already overflowing. You just may not be aware of it. And you say, but but I don't feel like that. Well, then you get a choice. What has more truth in your life, how you feel or what he just said? Because one of the two of them has to be true because they both can't be true. And here's the deal. If you would just live your life to the full extent that he's given you, you wouldn't have time to grumble. Think of that. If he says the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, spacious. If I would live to the full extent of my life, I don't have time to grumble because my life is so big. I'm trying to do all the amazing things he's put in my life. But what happens? We don't live to the boundary lines. We kind of huddle back here and we look over the fence at the green grass over there in their place. And we forget that green grass means lots of manure. (laughs) So maybe I don't really want that, you know. Like think of the Israelites. Why did they want to go back to Egypt? They wanted to go back to Egypt because they weren't living the fullness of the boundary lines God had given them. Do you know what God had told the Israelites? He said, I want you to come and follow me. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to be people of worship and I want you to take the promised land. They didn't want to do any of it. So because they wouldn't enjoy the life God gave them, they wanted the life they didn't have. And so with you and I, think of what God's given us. He said, come walk with me. He says, love the people in your life. Be on mission with me and step into the fullness of the boundary lines that no one else in this world can step into because they belong to you. And if you will do that, you won't grumble because your life will be so full. But if you don't do that, you will always grumble because you won't enjoy what God has already given you. You'll go and chase the empty cup when all the while you've been holding the full cup. And so the question is, is, are you living to the full extent of the boundary lines in your life? Is there some things you need to go and explore? Their boundary lines are awesome, too. Their boundary lines don't have to be bad for yours to be good. God doesn't have a finite pie. He doesn't run out. That's why we always want, like, we want to get first in the line to get the piece of pie because that pie is going to run out. The good news is, is like God keeps giving more as the line gets, gets further back. You know what I'm saying? Don't spend so much time coveting what everyone else has that you don't enjoy what you have. Okay? Okay, man, we're going fast. You with me? Okay, fourth thing is this. You got to celebrate what is instead of complaining about what isn't. Um, Catch this. Imagine if the Israelites would have celebrated their deliverance instead of complaining about their dinner. (laughs) Come on, that was good. Think about it. You have no idea how hard it is to craft those statements. And you just look at me like, yeah, it was all right, man. Try try next time for a better one. All right, I'll try better. Think about that. Think of how much we we would change our lives if we would celebrate our deliverance instead of complaining about what we don't have. 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Got to change our perspective. I told you a few weeks ago that like my kids, they were grumbling and grumpy and spoiled in the beginning of this break and it bothered me like crazy. Well, you understand, you can't just tell a 10-year-old stop, stop grumbling. It doesn't work. So Colleen and her genius created these gratitude journals that our kids every morning had to wake up and go take five minutes and write down something they were thankful for. And every day it had to be a different thing and it was specific and it was amazing how it changed their attitudes because they started celebrating what was instead of complaining about what wasn't. So how about you? What do you grumble about? Your teacher, your boss, your spouse, your circumstances, your finances? I don't know. What do you primarily grumble about? Find one thing in that area and start giving thanks for it every day. And start your day that way. Don't like wait till the end of the day be like, I grumbled all day. I guess I gotta be thankful now. <laughs> like start it that way and watch what happens because here's the deal. When your mouth is full of gratitude, there's no room left for grumbling. Yeah. It's really hard to grumble when you're giving thanks. And the truth is you will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for something to grumble about, Satan found a reason to grumble in heaven. If you're looking for something to be grateful for, Jesus found something to be grateful for on the way to the cross. We need to learn to change our minds and our mouths and bring them into submission and authority with Jesus. Like Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. Is that what you're thinking about? Are you thinking about everything that's wrong? And then Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. So are you speaking about what's not? Are you speaking about what will be and what is? Let's start seeing problems as opportunities, and let's start seeing have-tos as get-tos. Let's start becoming a part of the solution instead of pointing out the problem. Remember, the opposite spirit is how you defeat the spirits of darkness in this world. First John 3, 8, Jesus says, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. How did he destroy the works of the devil? By coming with the opposite spirit. Love beats hate. Peace beats chaos, hope beats despair, and the heart of gratitude will destroy the spirit of grumbling every single time. Every single time. That's why it's impossible to grumble to someone who's giving thanks. You will lose. Try it, it's awesome. You will lose. If we are serious about bringing heaven to earth, And we have to speak the language of heaven and not the language of this world. It's really hard to say, yeah, we want to release the kingdom and then walk out of here and grumble all week long. Because we're supposed to demonstrate and declare the realities of heaven, not align with and agree with the brokenness of the world. OK. And then the last thing is this. If you're serious and you want to break it, repent. Just repent. 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 Like Choose to break that thing off of your life. Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus says, repent, change your mind, change your perspective, change the direction you're going. Stop looking from earth to heaven. Start looking from heaven to earth. Grumbling focuses on the problems of this earth instead of the provision of heaven. Repentance allows you to focus on the provision of heaven in the midst of the problems of this earth. So what repentance does is it breaks our agreement and alignment with the spirit of darkness, and it chooses to submit and surrender to the lordship of Jesus. And true repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. True repentance is removing something out of your life and replacing it with something else. Like, here's a great verse about repentance. Jeremiah 1.10, see today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down. In Jesus, we have authority over the kingdom of darkness because He's already defeated the kingdom of darkness. So He says, I give you authority to uproot, tear down, destroy, and overflow, or to overthrow, and to build and to plant. He says, tear down and build up, remove and replace. You can't get rid of the spirit of grumbling by just saying, I'm going to get rid of the spirit of grumbling. You have to replace it with a heart of gratitude in Jesus. In fact, let me just, I, just let me read this to you. Matthew 12, here's what Jesus says. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, put in order, and it goes and it takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the condition of the man is worse than the first. You're like, what does that mean? I think that's Jesus teaching us a whole lot about the posture of repentance. What he's saying is that when you want to repent in life, whether it's anything, an addiction, an attitude, a perspective, grumbling, whatever it might be in your life, you you can't just say, okay, I repent of that. I get rid of it. You have to replace it with something else. He says that spirit leaves and goes out and does whatever it wants to do. And all we do is just kind of leave life as it is, kind of put life back in order, but we're still empty inside so it can come back and make it even worse, which is why some of us get in these cycles and we think the, the gospel doesn't work because we say, well, I tried that before, man. I only broke my addiction for a week or I tried that before. I only not grumbled for a few days and then I got even more aggressive on my grumbling. Yeah, why? Because a whole lot more came back because your heart's now harder to it. But if we would renounce the spirit of grumbling or wherever we need to repent in our life and then ask for a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, there's now no room for the spirit of grumbling because I'm overflowing with the spirit of the living God. So there's no place for it to come back home because it doesn't have a home anymore because now my life is occupied by the spirit of the living God. You can't have a full life with a grumbling heart. And so the the question that I would just ask you is, is, is your life half full or half empty? When you look at that glass, half full or half empty? And you realize it's actually a trick question. Because your life is already overflowing in Jesus, you just may not be aware of it. Jesus doesn't give us half empty or half full cups. He only gives us overflowing cups. And so you don't have to go and make a bunch of money, get a bunch of awards, do a bunch of things, look a certain way to have a full life. All you have to do is choose to start giving thanks for who he is and what he has done and become aware that you don't have to complain about your dinner because you're walking with your deliverer. Yes. It's a totally different reality. He has forgiven you all your wickedness, blessed you in the spiritual realm, given you a full share of inheritance, promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. He says you're a son. He empowers you with the spirit of the living God. Your life is full. You may feel like you've had everything to complain about or grumble about, but through the grace of Jesus, you have everything to give thanks about. And the choice is yours. Okay? So close your eyes. Close your eyes with me and and let me just do this for a moment. Can you just like posture your heart before the Lord? And only you can decide this for you, but maybe today's the day to say, God, I want to live in the kingdom of God. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just think about it. I don't want it to just be a part of just when I show up at church. I want to live in the kingdom of God and I want to speak the language of the kingdom. And so maybe in your own way, today is the day to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. So in Jesus' name, I choose to renounce and reject the spirit of grumbling out of my life. You in your own way, there's a part of me that wants to, by faith, have us all stand up and do it. But, I, but I'm not sure that we'd have the courage to do it. So I want to give you the opportunity to do it in your heart. But that's, that's what I would say. I renounce and reject the spirit of grumbling. Grumbling. And in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. And instead, I choose to replace that space in my heart with the spirit of the living God. So Holy Spirit, through the grace of Jesus, will you come and fill my heart, fill my life, fill my mind, overflow my life with your goodness and your grace. And today I choose to be a part of the kingdom of God. And I reject the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world. And I give you thanks for who you are and what you have done. Jesus, I love you. And in your name, I bless you. And I receive all that you offer me. And I give you thanks for it. And so, Jesus, today we choose to break the spirit of grumbling off of our lives. And at any place we've given it authority to stay. In your name we pray. Amen.